Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen, amen. All right, as you're having a seat, get your Bibles out and go with me to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16, this is the story of us. We've been in a series where we're telling the stories of the book of Acts. And not just telling the stories, this is not just a history lesson, this is lessons for our lives. Because as we see in the Bible, it tells us that these stories from the Old Testament and even from the New Testament are contained for our examples. They're there for our learning. And when we read in the Bible about Moses and the things that he went through, and Joshua, you read about the judges in Israel, you read about all of the the things that took place, the victories that they had, as well as the losses and the defeats that they had, there are things that we can learn from those things. And even in the life of Jesus, you can find life lessons, things that we should live by. And now here in the book of Acts, we find the birth of the church. We find what God was doing in the early church. But not only do we see that, we see what God wants to do in the church here and now, today. In the book of Acts, chapter number 16, if you remember, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and their companions were traveling. They went over to Philippi, and there in Philippi, they found a lady named Lydia, and she was going down by the riverside. There was a place of prayer that they went. Probably wasn't a synagogue in that area, because it took 10 Jewish men in order to start a synagogue, and Paul would often start his ministry at the synagogue, because he just had that way of doing that. He was a Pharisee. He would go and connect with the people, and then from there, he would launch out into the community. Well, when there was no synagogue, he would just kind of go out and try and figure out a way in, and here was a place of prayer. Here was people who had a heart for God, and he connected with them, and this lady, Lydia, she got saved. Her and her household, they were baptized, and Paul was staying with them. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse number 16 and read down through verse number 18. Let's read it together in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse number 16. It says, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Now let's stop right there for a second, because it talks about this little girl who was a slave, and that this little slave girl had a spirit of divination. Now we, we don't really understand what that means, but then as you read on the verse, you find out that she brought her masters a whole lot of profit, how? By fortune-telling. Now that we understand, don't we? There are many people today who seek fortune tellers. In fact, you can drive around our city uh, down the streets that are near to the rock here, and you can find that there are places with palm readers, tarot card readers. There are people who have crystal balls and things like that that are consulting spirits that they say may be of the dead, or maybe they're saying there are other spirits, or even they're just saying that they have this insight, that, that they're clairvoyant, or that they have understanding, that sort of a thing, into spiritual things. Now, many times people write them off and they say, oh, well, they're, you know, they're just, you know, kind of people that maybe they're, they're, they're seeing uh, how you, you act and how you live and that sort of thing. Maybe they were trolling you on social media. They've got someone in the back and a little radio signal and they're talking to you as they research you on the internet. And so that's how they're able to accurately talk about your life and get money out of you. However, the Bible is very clear that this young slave girl was possessed with a spirit, a demonic spirit, a spirit of divination. In fact, the original language talks about a spirit of pythos is the, the Greek word. That word pythos would be a throwback to the Greek gods in Greek mythology, little g gods, right? Not, not the big g god that we serve, but the little g gods, the false gods, demons who impose themselves as a superior source and as a god, and therefore Apollos would come to that, that temple of Delphi, and there he fought a spirit that was a snake, and it embodied him after the defeat. And so the spirit of pythos, and you think about a python, a snake, right, that wraps itself around somebody and chokes the life out of them so that it can devour them. That was the kind of spirit that this is. 
In fact, the Bible talks about the devil is that serpent of old in the garden, that snake, right? And so here this spirit, this snake, has attached itself to this young slave girl, and now she's fortune-telling. What does that mean? That means that this demonic spirit is giving her supernatural insight that she's able to bring forth. Now, again, it may not be trolling the internet. It might not be looking at people's social media or watching their body language. It might be other spirits that are following people, watching their activities, and listening in rooms where they think that they're closed doors and no one's around, and then going and telling that spirit about those things so that when somebody comes to find out about their fortune, it can say, oh, you were just having a conversation about this in your home. I was just having a conversation about that. Yes, and your family, you're very concerned about these things. We are concerned about these things. This is what's going to happen, and by predictions and those sorts of things can start to speak and start to get money out of people so that it can tell them about their lives. It is a demonic game. It's a sham. Remember that the devil is a liar. So this little girl is there and met them on the way to the place of prayer. Let's read the next verse. Look at what it says in verse number 17 now. Verse number 17 says this. It says, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, is she telling the truth right now? Are, are, are these servants of the Most High God? Are they proclaiming the way of salvation? We would rejoice at that, right? Wow, look at this. This demonically possessed girl who is doing fortune telling, she must have repented. She must have turned. She, she's telling the truth now. This is awesome, but it's not awesome. Because look at what happens in the next verse, verse number 18, and this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed. He wasn't rejoicing. He wasn't celebrating that this girl was promoting them or saying something about them or hoping that more people, hey, listen to her. You know, you used to listen to her for the wrong reason. Now listen to her the right reasons. No, he was greatly annoyed. The Bible actually, uh, in some of your translations, might say greatly distressed. He was grieved in his spirit. Why? Because this is a slave girl who's possessed of an evil spirit. It says that Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, did he talk to the girl? No. No said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. The idea of that is immediately, immediately, right off the bat, that spirit came out. Now, in the United States of America, we don't often think of people being demon possessed. Maybe you've seen horror movies and you've seen that sort of a thing. Maybe you've watched The Exorcist or some of those terrible movies that are out there that talk about these things. In fact, it's getting increasingly more and more. I've had to watch what my children watch. I've had to become, you know, kind of a connoisseur of cartoons and even things like Pokemon and some of these things you can see as these, they throw these little uh, monsters out there and these monsters will eventually possess the body of someone else. Where do they get those ideas from? They get it from the spiritual reality of what's going on in the spirit realm. And there are demons that will come and will possess people and take over them. Now, we need to understand the difference between possession and oppression. Because the title of today's message is How to Handle Spiritual Oppression. Because all of us are going to be in a battle spiritually. All of us are going to be fighting oppression. Now, the question may come up, Pastor, do you believe that Christians can be demonically possessed. I personally do not believe that a Christian, a believer in Jesus who has been born again, who's received the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ to live on the inside of them, I do not believe that they can be possessed. 
all right? And we'll define what we're talking about. But I'm going to prove this to you from the scriptures. Because Jesus himself spoke and he said, unless you tie up the strong man, you cannot come in and plunder the house and the goods, right? Well, let me ask you a question. Is the devil stronger than the Holy Spirit? Is the devil equal force with Jesus Christ? No. The devil is a defeated foe. He is a rogue agent that is out there. The battle has already been won, and now we are fighting a battle with a defeated foe. He's unwilling to yield this defeat, but he has been defeated already. And when you get born again, Jesus comes, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. Therefore, if the devil's going to come and try and come on the inside of you, he'd have to take out God first. I do not believe that believers can be possessed, but I do believe that believers can be oppressed. Oh, pastor? Yes, yes, I do believe that. Why? Because you see it throughout the Bible. Here's the Apostle Paul being oppressed by a spirit, following him around, crying out. I don't think it was like, hey, everybody, these men are the coming and proclaiming to us the way of God. They're servants of the Most High. Come and listen to them. I don't think it was like that. Because if you've ever been around somebody who's been demonically possessed, oftentimes it's a shrill screech. It's a cry. The hair on the back of your neck stands up and you go, it's terrible. It's awful. Oftentimes it's a distraction. And so we need to understand that the devil will come and try and oppress you. No, it may not be through another person that's possessed. It might be through thoughts that come at you over and over and over again. Emotions and feelings overwhelming you, depression, anxiety, suicidal tendencies and thoughts, perverse and pornographic images coming into your mind. See, the devil will come and try and oppress you. Here's another way that the devil will try and come and oppress you. He'll put sickness on your body. Pastor, you believe that the devil can put sickness on us? Jesus did. When he encountered a woman who was bent over, he said, this woman, shouldn't she be freed who's been oppressed by the devil? The book of Acts says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. See, sometimes we, we, we don't understand that sickness, yes, oftentimes in the natural, if you're weary, your body, your immune system, all that kind of stuff, that's all good. There are physical things and there are realities, even with, uh, you know, mental health and that sort of a thing. There, there might be chemical imbalances and things like that. I understand all that and I agree with all that. But oftentimes we overlook the simple fact that the devil is at work on the earth that he's a rogue agent, that he comes yet to steal, kill, and destroy, and that he can put thoughts and hints and allegations and things on the inside of our heads. He can put discouragement, doubt, depression, suicide, right? All those things can be put. Even the, the propensity for sin, it says that Satan incited King David to number the armies of Israel. That was Satan that did that. Satan entered Judas to betray Jesus, Come on, guys, let's get a clue. Let's understand from the Word of God that the devil is at work doing these things, and as well, that the devil can put sickness on people. And so the believers can be oppressed. We need to understand that. The other one that I would say is that there is also a spiritual obsession, which many times brings itself out as addiction. Could be a sexual addiction, could it be an addiction to a, a substance, right, like alcohol or drugs, that sort of a thing. Could be an addiction to certain things like sports or certain things that any time it's taking the place of God and you're obsessed with it, it might be that a demon is trying to get you distracted and get you away from the things 
of God. So what do we do with this? How do we handle spiritual oppression? I want to give you some practical tools, some things today from the Word of God that you can fight this fight and that you can win and that you can overcome in every area of your life. Because as a believer, you will be oppressed. There will be a battle that comes at your life. And if you don't understand this, if you don't know about it, you're going to get beat up from pillar to post. And the devil's going to be laughing all the way, saying, man, they're so stupid, they're so foolish, they don't know what's going on, they could be winning, but I'm winning here. Man, I got them under my thumb. They thought getting saved would solve all their problems, and now here they're in a worse position than before because now they feel bad about it because they should be overcoming. But guess what? If you get a hold of this Word of God today, you're going to be beating that devil from pillar to post. You're going to send him packing. You're going to send him out of your life, and you're going to win the battles of life. So, how to handle spiritual oppression. First things first is don't give it place. Don't give it a place. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a stronghold. Many of you guys could probably quote Ephesians chapter 4, 27, that neither give place to the devil. But I want to read this to you in the Passion Translation. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 27, in the Passion tra- Translation. Look what it says up on the overhead. It says, don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. The devil's going to try and come and manipulate. He's going to try and come and distort. He will pervert. Yes, he may have a little piece of truth, but he'll just kind of turn it a little bit. That's, that's why Eve fell, right? It's because she gave place. She had a conversation with the devil there in the garden. And the devil brought a little piece of truth. Did God not say, you shall eat of every tree of the garden. And what did she do? She gave place. Well, no, God, God said we can eat of all the trees, but, but not of the tree in the midst of the garden. We shall not eat, nor shall we even touch. it. starts adding the word of God. See, she, her first mistake was she gave place. Started having a conversation with the devil. In the same way, oftentimes I hear people say, Pastor, you know what the devil said to me? And I'm like, why are you fellowshipping with him? Don't let him talk to you. Don't let the devil whisper to you. Because he's going to bring out a lie. He's a murderer. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to take out your family. Listen, if somebody showed up at your door and knocked on your door and you opened it up and they said, hi, I'd like to kill your children, you would slam that door in their face, call the cops, and run them out of there. So why do we let the devil come and say your kids are going to die? Why do we let the devil come and say your marriage is going to fail? Why do we let the devil come into our lives and say you're going to get sick and COVID's going to take you out? Why do we let the devil say, hey, the darkness is getting greater and greater and greater and there's nothing you can do about it. Listen, tell that devil to shut up and to get out of your life. Don't give him a place. Pastor, are you mad? Absolutely, I'm mad at the devil. Because Christians are getting lied to and they're buying it hook, line, and sinker. But listen, you're no fool. Are you listening? You're not a fool. You're not a chump. You're not going to get taken by the devil. He's a liar. Don't mess around with him. Don't make deals with him. You heard of people making deals with the devil? Yeah, they'll make a deal with the devil. The devil will deal. He'll will and deal. Devil, listen, you leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. We cool, right? The devil will say, right. And then what's going to happen? You'll leave him alone. He'll beat the snot out of you, and you'll blame God. And the devil will be laughing all the way. The devil will waste your time. Don't play with demons. 
Don't mess around with them. It's a waste of time. The devil will continually assault. In fact, the Greek word for devil is diabolos. It's a compound word of two words that when you bring them together, these words mean to breach the same place again and again and again and again until it breaks through. See, that's what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to slam you with the same thought. He's trying to slam you with the same insecurity. He's trying to slam you with the same stress and the same doubt and the same fear and the same lie. And he will bring it to you over and over and over and over and over again until finally he breaks through in that area of your life. He's the accuser. He's going to bring up your past. He's going to bring up thoughts. He's going to bring up situations. You know, and maybe you dealt with drugs before you were saved. Then you got saved, you got delivered. And all of a sudden, your old friends are coming back and they're like, hey, bro, we got an extra bag. You want it? It's free. They never gave you free drugs before you got saved. So why they want to bring it now? Here's the reason why. Because the devil is coming at you in the same place, trying to breach, trying to break through trying to come at you until he can get in there. It's an accusation, slander. Many times people deal with this in the thought realm. They have constant attacks, thoughts of suicide over and over and over again. Perversities over and over and over again. Discouragement over and over and over again. Depression over and over and over again. Insecurity over and over and over again. Recklessness, rage, jealousy, on and on and on and on and on. How do we deal with this? Here's how. You need to take up the shield of faith. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, turn there with me. In Ephesians chapter number 6, I'm going to read two verses, but it would encourage you to read through all of the spiritual armor that God gives you. You need every tool that you can have. And really, a lot of this stuff is battled and dealt with in prayer. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 11, and then we're going to read verse number 16. Starting in verse number 11, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 11, look what it says. It says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes, the devices, the thoughts of the devil. Drop down to verse number 16. Above all. So take up all the spiritual armor. Helmet of salvation, shield of faith, right? The, the sword of the spirit, all that kind of stuff. Have it all. But above all, look at this. Taking the shield of faith. That means it's your prerogative. It's your choice. You can either grab a hold of it and lift it up and use it, or you can just allow those thoughts and those attacks to come again and again and again, but above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You got to take it up. What is the shield of faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you take up the shield of faith? Well, if you're dealing with perverse thoughts, you take up the shield of faith. Be ye holy for I am holy. You're dealing with insecurities. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You're dealing with insecurities. If I can't do it, right, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right? It will quench the fiery darts of the wicked. When anything that the devil comes attacking you with, you're a loser. No, I, I've overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Right? You take up the shield of faith. Get into the word of God when it comes to your situation. Get the word of God and take it up with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That's why Paul wouldn't give attention to the Spirit. Notice it says, for many days, she followed them around. You never find Paul talking to her. You never find Paul talking to her master. Hey, can you, can you tell her to be quiet? Never. He just went about his business and kept doing what he was doing. He had a mission. He had something that God had given him to do. He was going to the place of prayer, and he was going to get as many people saved as he could, and he did not give place to the devil. He ignored that devil as long as he could. But notice he also doesn't receive the advertising of a demon. Why not? 
Well, for the same reason why Jesus wouldn't. You remember in the Gospels, it talks about Jesus casting demons out, and many times they come and they fall down in front of him, and they say, what have you to do with us, Jesus, the Son of the Most High? And he tells them, shut up. Now, it's a different reason than why when he would heal people and he would tell them, don't talk about me. My time has not come. That's one reason why he would tell people not to spread the news about him. But the Bible says his fame grew more and more. You just can't hide who he is, right? Jesus couldn't be hidden. But when it came to demons and they would declare who he was, he would silence them, not because it was before his time. He would silence them because he will not receive the commendation of a devil. Because if you're going to receive a commendation from a devil, what else are you going to receive from the devil? If you want the commendation when the devil starts coming and offering money, priority, open doors, are we going to receive that from the devil? And listen, the devil's devices always come with conditions. And those conditions are like fiery searing hooks that he'll get in you. Don't make deals with the devil. Don't mess around with the devil. Don't take con- commendation from the devil or condemnation from the devil. Their testimony of the devil is to be rejected because we will not receive lies and bondage from the enemy. We receive our commendation from God. God is the one who approves our ministry. God is the one who approves our lives. God is the one who opens the doors for us. God is the one who provides us the wealth that we need and supplies us. We will not receive from a devil. Don't give the devil any place, not an inch, not a foothold, nothing in your life. Second thing is this, second thing is this, is to be spiritually discerning. So number one, don't give it place, but number two, be spiritually discerning. I heard the story of a student who was in class and he was messing around, his teacher was finally fed up and had enough, and so she walked over to his desk, got right in his face, grabbed his shirt collar and pulled him up close and said, son, I think the devil's got a hold of you. And he's chattering in his teeth and he looked at her and he looked at her hand, looked back at her and said, yes, ma'am, I think the devil does. But we need to be spiritually discerning. We need to understand who our enemy is. We need to know when we're dealing with demonic activity. Paul was greatly annoyed. He was greatly distressed. I believe his spirit was bugged by this. He just knew that this little girl wasn't right. He knew what was going on. He knew that this was a demon he was dealing with. In fact, in the Bible, you can read in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 about what's called the discerning of spirits. A lot of times people mistake this gift and they say, oh, that's being able to see demons. That's not what the gift is. That may be a part of the gift, but that's not the whole gift. The gift is really the ability to be able to discern what is God and what is not of God by the supernatural power of the Spirit. It's a gift that the Bible says that He gives severally as He wills. So there may be a time that you're listening to someone and you can just tell, man, this person, they're talking, they're not of God. How do you know that? I know it by the Spirit. God is is showing me that this is not of God. There may be other times that you hear somebody and they they prophesy or they speak something and you test the Spirit and you say, is that of God? Well, they're not denying that Jesus is Lord or that He came in the flesh, right? We know the Spirit of truth and we know the Spirit of error. And so here, there may be a supernatural, that's of God right there. Someone just spoke that, that God was speaking that through them, right? Jesus turned to Peter, He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus operated in the gifts. He's the gift giver. And so He showed us how to use these gifts, And so there may be times that somebody stands up and speaks something, you say, hey, that's of God, right? That is the discerning of spirits. It may also be that you are able to see into the spirit realm and not just see demonic spirits, but also angelic spirits, ministering spirits sent forth on behalf of those who love the Lord, right? 
And we see that in the book of Hebrews. We see that in the Psalms. We also see that in the Old Testament, right? Remember the prophet comes out and, and his, his servant is all worried about what's going to happen. He says, Lord, open his eyes, right? And he looks around. There's chariots of fire all around them, right? And he says, those who are for us are more than those who are against us. See, God will give you that discernment. He will give you those gifts severally as he wills. So, Pastor, hold on a second. I got a question. What if I don't have the gift? Ah, glad you asked the question. Without the gift, how would you know? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, turn there with me, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I told you, is where we learn that there is the gift, but then 1 Corinthians 13 comes along and says the gift works by love. 1 Corinthians 14 starts to talk about how to use the gifts practically in church environments and in life, all right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 33, New King James Version. When you get there, shout out, I got it, Pastor. Praise the Lord. I didn't hear the people online. Come on, type it in the comments section. Let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 33. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says this. I'm sorry, I got the wrong verse. 14, 33. No, I got the right verse. Sorry, I got the right verse. Sorry, I was reading the wrong verse. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion. Hold on, stop right there for a second. When we read the word, we should ask a question, right? So if God isn't the author of confusion, and I find myself in the midst of a chaotic, confusing situation, who authored that? Most likely, it's a demonic spirit or the devil. Pastor, don't you think that's a little bit overboard? Couldn't it just be the flesh? Absolutely. We can get in there and we can mess things up good, can't we? Right? I know I can, for sure. I can cause chaos. I can cause confusion oftentimes. But it says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So if we're in a situation that there is no peace, maybe it's the flesh, but I would guarantee you that the devil is most likely involved. It says, as in all the churches of the saints. Now, why do I believe that even the flesh, even in fleshly situations that the devil is involved? The reason why I believe it is because of the word of God. I want to read to you from the book of James chapter number three, verse number 15 down through verse number 17. I'm going to read it to you in the voice paraphrase, but you can, you're welcome to read along in whatever translation you have, maybe New King James, New International Version, NLT, whatever you got, all right? But I'm going to read it to you in the voice because I, I, I like the way that they paraphrased it, and I believe that it still holds true to the original language. Look at what it says in James 3.15 through verse number 17. It says, The wisdom of this world should never be mistaken for heavenly wisdom. It originates below in the earthly realms, look at this, with the demons. Some of your other translations say this wisdom is earthly, sensual, and demonic, all right? But it originates in the earthly realms with the demons. Verse 16, any place where you find jealousy and selfish ambition, you will discover chaos and evil thriving under its rule. What did we just say? God is not the author of confusion and chaos, right? But of peace. So when the demonic wisdom starts to come forth, what do you find? You find jealousy, selfish ambition, and discover chaos, that confusion and chaos, things are chaotic, and evil thriving under its rule. Verse 17, heavenly wisdom centers on purity, peace, gentleness, deference, mercy, and other good fruits untainted by hypocrisy or a mask, that you're saying one thing, but you're actually doing it with the guise of something else. Wow. So practically, how does this look in our lives? Practically, I mean, some of you guys already went there in your thinking. You already know. Oh, my goodness, that's not of God, right? The devil is at work. We've seen it on the news. We've seen it in our lives. When situations are chaotic, 
confused, causing division rather than peace, you can know that there is demonic activity. You ever had the same dream every night and it's demonic? It's evil, right? Man, the kids are just having night terrors. I don't know what's going on. Could it be that a devil has gotten into your home and is throwing those demonic images into their thinking as they sleep at night? My daughter was two years old, middle of the night, we heard this blood-curdling scream. We ran across the room. It was chaotic. As I was running, I was in like slow motion, like, what's going on? Somewhere along the way, in my slow motion, I cut my toe straight down the center. I took a picture of it, by the way. I don't, I'm not going to put it up on the overheads, okay? But I, I ran into the bedroom, and there my wife is, is, is holding our daughter, comforting her, and I'm standing there just like, what, what, what on earth is going on? So we brought her into our room because she just would not be comforted. We turned all the lights in our bathroom, and we were standing there, and my daughter, with a scream, points at the darkness, just screaming, ah, you know, she's two years old. She, she didn't have the words to be able to express what was going on, what she was seeing and what she was experiencing. So I ran at that darkness. I didn't even know what I was running at. I just started to speak. In Jesus' name, you devil, you get out of here in the name of Jesus. I ran through the whole house. I mean, we're radical for Jesus. I prayed over every room in the house. I anointed it with oil every room in the house. I got the Crisco out, you know. I was just like, we're slapping this on everything. Put it on myself, put it on my wife, put it on my daughter at that time. When she grew up and was able to be able to express herself, and when she was older, she told us that in her mind's eye, she didn't know if it was a dream, but she, she thought she was awake. She opened her eyes. She saw a massive spider coming down off the roof, the sides of the room coming at her. That's why she was screaming so loud is because she saw that image. It was a demonic image that was given to her. Brought, maybe she saw it in the spirit realm. I don't know. But here's the deal. It was demonic. And it was causing, if your children are having demonic dreams, you pray and you cast that devil out of your house. You anoint your house with oil. How about this? Every week, for some reason, there's a fight before church. Some of you guys are laughing because it's happening, right? Why do you think that some of you guys online are laughing because you're looking around the house right now going, that's why we're not in church today, Pastor. We had a knockdown, blowout, drag out, fight. And so we couldn't even get to the car. Could it be that the devil is trying to keep you out of church? I think so. I don't know why, but every Saturday night, the kids are sick before church. We were really hoping to go to church this week, Pastor, but the kids keep getting sick. They're good Monday through Saturday, but Saturday night, the fever starts. Could it be that the devil, oh, come on, somebody, is putting sickness on your children to keep you away from the things of God? See, when there's confusion, when there's chaos, when it's the same attack over and over and over, the diabolos, it's coming at you again in the same place over and over and over again. Every time you sit down to read the word, perverse thoughts start coming into your head. Why is that? Every time you sit down to pray, your mind just starts getting scattered. Why is that? It's no coincidence. There is a spiritual attack against you, church, and you need to understand and discern this is not God. This is the devil. 2 Corinthians 2.11 in the J.B. Phillips paraphrase says, we don't want Satan to win any victory here. And well, we know his methods. Some of your translations say we are not unaware of his devices. We understand the attacks of the enemy. My wife knows that when she goes to certain places, there's going to be demonic activity. Places like Mexico, when she went down there on the mission field, there was a witch. It was there on the streets. 
Everybody was walking by that was on the mission tour. And when she passed this witch, she just knows she's prophetic. I mean, I'm like married to Isaiah the prophet's daughter over there, man. She's prophetic. And so all of a sudden, this witch just turned around and was like, hey, you know. And uh, she's just like, Ooh, you know, the name of Jesus, you know. And she just moved on with her life. We're there in uh, Hollywood Boulevard, right? Now, listen, I-, I want everybody to know that I don't think that every homeless person is demon-possessed, okay? Understand that. But you can drive around and you can see people tweaking on drugs, and don't think for a second that drugs and being out of your natural mind, don't think for a second that that does not open up the door to spiritual things. Why do you think they call alcohol and strong drinks spirits? Let's wake up. There are things that you can do to open the door to demonic activity. When you bring Ouija boards in your house and crystals and when you're consulting mediums and when you're having seances, you know what you're doing? You're opening yourself up to demonic activity. You cannot curse what is blessed, but if what is blessed gets out from underneath the covering of God, you're going to expose yourself to that demonic activity. When you start watching those demonic movies, when you allow those things into your home, when you're dressing up like vampires and demons at Halloween and putting blood all over your house and snakes and scorpions and spiders and all that kind of stuff, what are you doing, Christians? We're not to look like the darkness. Don't expose yourself to those things. We're to shine the light of Jesus Christ. Celebrating the Day of the Dead and talking to our dead ancestors. Christians have bought these things hook, line, and sinker because they're cultural, because they're fun. It's fun until the devil starts killing people, ripping through homes and ripping through lives and destroying marriages. So here we are in Hollywood Boulevard with the kids, and we're showing them, hey, look, there's Groman's Chinese Theater. There's Ripley's Believe It or Not. There's some guy peeing on the side. Of, oh, don't look, at, don't, don't, don't look at that. And we, we get to a stoplight, and there at the stoplight, there was somebody, and, and they were homeless. They had a shopping cart, all that kind of stuff. But the moment we parked there, they just kind of like looked right at Jessica and started, and they start cussing and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, in the name of Jesus, through the window, you know. And we're like, can this light turn green fast enough, you know. We finally get through there. Go down to San Diego. We're getting into a, a supermarket. And, and as we're going to the supermarket, this lady comes out. She's homeless, and she's obviously demon-possessed. Turns around and punches Jessica in the back. Bam! And then laughs at her and runs off. And she's like, I just got punched. And I'm like, honey, what is wrong with you? She's like this demon magnet, you know. It's like, for some reason, they just know that she's full of the Spirit of God. But see, we're not unaware of his devices. And those things will come at you again and again and again and again. And we need to be wise enough. I understand that there's times where I have dreams in the middle of the night. And the dreams will be going just fine. You know, you have those dreams where you're in a certain place, but it's not really that place. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You're like somewhere, but it's not there, but it is there, you know? And so, like, I had this one dream. I was in San Diego, but it wasn't San Diego, you know, and all the buildings were made of brick, and there was vines, and it was beautiful, and all that kind of stuff. And as we're going through, all of a sudden, this woman just shows up in the dream. And she's running around, and I just knew that's a demon, trying to capture her, trying to get her. And finally, I got this, this uh, chest of drawers, and I slammed it up against the wall where she was, and her clothes just, whoosh, and she disappeared. Right then, my wife wakes me up, Dan, Dan, Dan. I'm like, what, 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 what? And she goes, you were shouting in the name of Jesus in the middle of your dream. See, we're not unaware of the devil's devices. We know. You can know by the Spirit of God. You can either have that supernatural gift of discernment, or you can discern by what the Word of God has to say, that if it's chaos, if it's confusion, then it's not of God. If it's not peace, it's not of God. That is a demonic spirit trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So what do we do? What do we do with it? What do you do when you know it's a demon? You're not giving it any place. 
here's what you do. Use your authority. You use your authority as a child of God. The devil, we have already said, does not have greater authority than the Holy Spirit. The devil is not a greater power than Christ in you, the hope of glory. The redeemed saint has more power resident on the inside of them than the devil will ever have because we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4, if you want to read verse number 1 through 6 sometime this week to study this out and really talk about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, read through it. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Notice that's past tense. You've already got the victory. You've already got the win. Why? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's something to declare over your life every day. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. This is that which has overcome the world. My faith. Start to declare the word of God. Raise up that shield. Mark chapter 16, verse number 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. I wonder today in the church of Almighty God if we have any believers in the place. Notice it didn't say the believers should be following signs. Oh, there's a miracle meeting. There's a healing crusade. There's something going on. We need to go over there and find out what's going on. Man, i got to get a hold of that. Oh, we got to get a hold of the man of God and the prophet and the prophecy. No! These signs shall follow those who believe. Signs and wonders should be following you. You shouldn't be following signs and wonders. These signs shall follow those who believe in my name, the name of Jesus, the matchless mighty name, the powerful name. In my name, Jesus said, go ye therefore in my authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth in Matthew chapter 28. Go ye therefore. What is he saying? He said, go in my authority. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And when you speak, you are speaking on behalf of the one that sent you. Therefore, it's as if Jesus himself was speaking. In my name, they will do what? They will cast out demons. Paul Greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, come out, her, come out of her in the name of Jesus. Listen, you don't have to mess around. You don't have to, you know, call a fast. You know, Jesus did say these type come out by prayer and fasting. But listen, don't mess around. Don't take a long time. Do what you have to do and get rid of those things in your life. Maybe that there's spiritual oppression in your house. Time to get those books, those CDs, those DVDs. Get those websites clear from your computer. Whatever you need to that's opening the door. Get the alcohol out. Get the drugs out. I don't care if it's legal or not. Get it out. It's opening the wrong doors. Get rid of the chaos and the confusion. If you're in the middle of a fight and you realize this is chaos, this is confusion, there's no peace here, let's stop, stop, stop. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. And I don't care if they're barking at you. You know, and you're like, hey, we're going to pray. And you take authority over that spirit of confusion and chaos in your home and you cast it out in the name of Jesus and then you resolve the matter. Are you listening, church? We gotta understand our enemy. We need to know, don't give him any place. Don't mess around. Don't make deals. You cast it out in the name of Jesus. If you encounter a demon, if you encounter somebody that's demon-possessed, listen, Paul, for many days, endured that. It's not our job to go around casting devils out of everybody, but if there's somebody that you know that's not a Christian, they're having problems, and you realize they are demon-possessed. What do you do? You speak to the Spirit, and you say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. Well, pastor, what if it doesn't come out? What if I don't see anything? What if I don't see the Spirit come flying out of their body? Listen, remember, it's by faith. 
You know, Jesus, when he spoke to certain spirits, they came and had a conversation with him afterwards. They didn't come out right away. Now, that's how they did with Jesus. Remember, they're time wasters. They're liars. You don't have to know their name. You don't have to find out and all that kind of stuff and go. You don't have to do that. If God gives you the discernment to know what that is, there have been times where God has given me that discerning of spirits that I've known. This is a mocking spirit. This is a spirit of fear. This is this type of spirit, right? Perverse spirit. I've been able to call them out by name. You perverse spirit, you come out in Jesus' name. But listen, that was only because God gave the spiritual discernment to know that. If I don't know it, hey, you foul spirit, in the name of Jesus, come out. And then you believe those words that you spoke. Why? Because you believe the authority of the one who gave you those words to speak. Amen. There are people that I know of that when the devil has been cast out of them, when somebody has spoken that, that a week later, a month later, they finally got their deliverance. But see, your job is not to sit there and wait and tarry and, uh, you know, mess around and all that kind of stay up all night. No, you speak the authoritative word of God and then you move on with your life. That's it. That's it. Because that is the word of faith. That is the power that God gives to each and every one of us. What did we learn today, church? We learned how to handle and how to deal with spiritual oppression. Number one, don't give it place. Number two, be spiritually discerning. And number three, use your authority. I'd like everybody in this place to stand up right now. Come on, let's stand together. We're going to make a declaration. I'm going to lead you in this declaration. If you are a believer, if you are somebody who is a Christian, you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Many times at the end of the church service, we pray, what is God speaking to you? I know what God's speaking to you. It's time for you to take your authority. time for you to take a stand. And I'm going to lead you in a declaration where we're going to pray. We're going to cast out that foul spirit that may have been coming against your life. And then we're going to rejoice together. We're going to celebrate and praise the Lord together. So everybody, say this out loud. Come on, let's say it in faith. Say, Father God, I thank you that Jesus Christ lives in me. And he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. Thank you, God, that I have the victory, that I have the ability to believe you and to cast out devils. And so now, I take my authority in Jesus' name. And devil, get out of my life, of my house, of my family, of my mind, my finances, my community, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I have the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate our King Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.